Welcome to Subcutaneous, a beneath-the-skin look at medicine with myself, Dr. G. And me, David. Today we are talking to one of my good friends, Dr. Jacob Berman. So thank you. He is joining us currently from uh, Vancouver, where he's at the Summer AAD Conference. Hi. Welcome. Hey, everybody. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, David. Thanks for being on the show. And um, Jacob is a general dermatologist and does uh, full-time locums work. So we will kind of uh, dive into that, but we'll rewind the clock a little bit here, kind of start as we normally do. Yeah. Well, first, let's get into, uh, obviously, a general dermatologist. Uh, How did you and Lindsay meet? Oh, yeah. This is a good one. Um, Jacob and I, I don't know. Should I tell this story? Do you want to tell us? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong because the it's been a while, so the pieces are a little fuzzy. A while. Yeah. Uh, Jacob and I met on the trail, the interview trail for we were interviewing. So for dermatology, you interview both for dermatology residency and you interview for your internship your first year. And Jacob and I were interviewees at a program, a transitional year program or internal medicine year program in Portland together. And I think like maybe, did I have an Uber or something? I ordered an Uber and you didn't have a ride or I had a car and... You needed a ride. So I, yeah, I forget what was happening. I think you were staying downtown maybe. I I don't remember where I dropped you off, but I gave you a ride somewhere. Okay. So you had a car. Okay. You had (laughs) had a a car. car. Yeah. And um, I needed a ride and Jacob took me wherever I needed to go. And we kind of, funny story, we're talking about intern internship programs and uh, Jacob was like, oh, there's this one in Spokane. I'm like, yeah, I applied to it, but I didn't get an interview. And he's like, oh, you should totally reach out to Deb, the coordinator, and tell her how interested you are. I just interviewed there and it was great. It's an awesome program. You should totally come there. You should reach out to her and let her know that you know somebody in Spokane because they really uh, value ties to the area. And so... Um, we met at that interview. He encouraged me to reach out to the Spokane Transitional Year Program. And so I did. I reached out to Deb and it worked. She gave me an interview after I reached out to her. Um, and then Jacob and I both were ended up showing up there day one intern year. And we're like, what? This worked out. Like we both became uh, transitional year interns in Spokane, Washington. And so that is how we met and know each other. And then we've stayed in contact through both being dermatologists and meeting at conferences and hanging out and stuff like that. Did I get the story right? Did I miss it? Yeah, anything? it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like, it's it's crazy how long ago that was already. I was just <laughs> I thinking about that. It's like, <laughs> it's just one of those, it's just one of those things, you know, that we just happened to be there at that interview the same day. And then. Well, and it's crazy to me too, because if you would have, if you would have never encouraged me to like that, like, honestly, to think about it, though, that is like truly a huge pivotal moment in my life, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you would have never reached, given me that ride so that we could have talked to each other more, and you would have encouraged me to reach out, I would have never become an intern in Spokane. And then like, think of all the things, especially for me that have changed in my life because of that, you know, I came back here for fellowship. I met David here, you know, lots of big pivotal things. So Jacob, thank you for changing my life. i Oh, I'm I'm so happy. Yeah, one car ride with a stranger and yeah. changes your life. David, you should really be thanking him. Oh yeah, well thank you so much. <laughs> so where after your uh, after your TY here, where do you go, Jacob? What was that again? After your TY year here in Spokane, where did you go? Oh, yeah. So I went to New York actually, uh, 
right outside New York City. Um, it's uh, called uh, Northwell. It's a large health system. It's affiliated, affiliated with Hofstra University. So kind of, uh, and I went to, maybe we could talk about this, I guess, a little bit, but I was in, I was in med school in Philly. And mm-hmm. so I kind of, you know, was bouncing around East Coast, West Coast. Yeah. Back to the East Coast. Yeah, well, back to the West Coast, so. <laughs> let's go back to the West Coast from the beginnings, right? Uh, Gig Harbor beginnings. Yes. Is that where you grew yes. up too? I know you're from Gig Harbor, Gig Harbor, but did you grow up there too? Yes. Yes, I did grow up there. So it's a small little town. Um, it's kind of picturesque. It's about, depending on traffic, it used to be 45 minutes outside Seattle, but it can be, you know, a little bit longer nowadays, I guess. It's very small. Um, it's near Tacoma, which is another kind of big city in Washington. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I grew up there. I went to high school there. Um, and then I went to a small school in Washington, uh, called Pacific Lutheran university, just a small liberal arts school. Okay. I really didn't know what I want. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I kind of had this inkling, you know, that maybe I wanted to do medicine. Um, both my parents are, you know, they're now retired. They're pediatricians. So oh. I knew I didn't want to be a pediatrician, but. <laughs> um, I thought maybe, you know, maybe I would do medicine. So I figured if I went to one of these large schools, you know, where you had a class size of 700 people and you may not get the attention or whatever that you need. So, um, so I started off as, you know, basically pre-med and just kind of stuck with it, I guess. Yeah. Um, so you did have an idea think, going to college that you were going to go into medicine if you went into well, college pre-med. Is, yeah. But remember, think about that time back then too like that was the you know the great recession the financial crash like nobody was hiring for jobs you know so i i was i honestly like i I knew a lot of people that just were graduating and were just not doing anything and so i you know thought well people always get sick um you know um you know so there's always going to be need for physicians so um and i you know had some experience with my parents i liked Sure. the science of healthcare and um so i figured why not um so that's basically why i decided to go to med school it's, I know, it's probably a terrible reason but <laughs> <laughs> so this was like you were because uh... economies economies go up and down so <laughs> yeah you graduated high school in 07 06 06 okay. yeah okay um I mean, 2010 okay okay um okay so you both your parents were pediatricians so you grew up with two doctors uh, did you think that you wanted to be a doctor growing up too, when you were a kid? That's a great question. I, I, um, I don't, I never really thought about what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, I just, you know, I kind of saw the life that they had. And to be honest, you know, I think nowadays it's, it's different, but back then peds, like they didn't have, there was no such thing as hospitalists. So like they, they, mm. like they would, you know, see other clinic patients. And then if they were on call, they'd have to go to the hospital and admit patients after work. Um, they'd get phone calls, you know, every third night, in the middle of the night. So I kind of saw the lifestyle that they lived, um, you know, and was like, I'm not sure if that's for me, mm-hmm. but I always thought it was like interesting to hear them talk about their work, their cases, you know, the patients that they saw, the impacts that they made. So I always thought that that aspect was really cool. The other thing too, is like, you know, um, just when you're shopping, you know, when you're a kid shopping with your parents around town, like they would always run into people who were like their former patients mm-hmm. and like, you know, the patient, everyone was just so grateful for the things that they did. Um, especially after the kids grew up and they had photos, yeah. you know, of like, 
you know, they would say, oh, here's Johnny, he's in college, he's doing this, and like, you know, so I thought, it, it thought that was kind of cool to see the impact that you have in your community. Yeah, especially as my a parents, they have pediatrician, this... right? Like, yeah, I even, I even have memories of my pediatrician growing up, and he was even very well known in the community, and, you know, was, uh, they make a big impact on their community. Yeah, definitely. I feel like everyone has that family doctor, pediatrician that they kind of remember. Um, uh, my parents, like, they're very, like, I guess they're different. I'm different for me in the sense that, like, I feel like they remember all of their patients. <laughs> I mean, I remember certain things, like how people look. I may not remember their names, but it just, I, my parents had, like, this uncanny ability to just, like, they just would see somebody and they remember who they were and, like, they, they knew everything about them. And, like, I just thought that was so cool. Yeah. I, I remember I all those well child that. checks, Jacob. You know, they're seeing those kids a lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's maybe true, more than we see our definitely patients. True. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully maybe not as many as we see in a day too. Well, as general derm especially. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So not a clear idea of what you wanted to be kind of growing up. In high school, did you kind of start pushing more towards science and medicine or were you just kind of cruising along enjoying the high school experience? That's actually, yeah, the latter, just kind of exactly how you described. I was not very, I don't, yeah. And I I mean, I wasn't a terrible student. I think I had like a a three, five or three, eight. I don't, I don't, I honestly don't remember. I didn't study for the SAT, so I didn't really apply myself. Um, So I just, I wasn't like a partier. I don't think I just kind of was just lacking direction in science, but (laughs) Mm-hmm. I made sure to get my work done and like, you know, I could have probably had a better experience, but I'm sure a lot of people, I don't know what it was like for you guys, but <laughs> I think you, you probably did fine for yourself though, Jacob. <laughs> I think for men, like smart men, it's harder. You know, all the smart men I've dated in my life or like have known in my life, like sometimes high school can be a hard, hard thing. Like I, I, I was like a 4.0, never missed a day of class student, but I don't know very many I men who are like, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> no, it's good. So it's boring. Good no. <laughs> yeah, I think people like also, you know, they just mature at different times. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously I was that way when I got to college and yeah. med school, but I just think for some people it takes a little longer to yeah. get your, get your, are we allowed to swear here? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Get your shit together. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and I think sometimes people can be so beyond things that they're bored too. And then that creates issues with That's grades true and too. stuff like that. So, yeah. Okay. So you didn't really know, but you knew you were going to go to college probably by forcing of your parents and because you didn't really know what you were going to do. So that's the next logical step in the United States, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I always knew I was going to go to college. I knew that like that not going to college would not be an option. So um, that's just how it was for and I was okay with that. I didn't resent that at all. It just, you know, there wasn't, no, it, it, I mean, it, my parents never explicitly said that, but there was just an, always an expectation that you would mm-hmm. go to college and, you know, it didn't have to be a position, but at least you would get a college degree and, right. and do something with your life. So, which not to say that you don't have to, I mean, obviously you could go to trade school or yeah, there's many other things, which I later learned that you could do, but. <laughs> at that point, yeah, it was like, go to high school, go to college. There's no other options. I agree. Yeah. Um. So you knew that you kind of wanted to go to a smaller school, it sounds like, just so that you weren't kind of like overlooked. But what? Well, I feel like my issue, my issue for me was that, like I mentioned, I was not, you know, applying myself as diligently as I should have been in high school. So 
I think I realized, you know, that I was not as academically prepared mm-hmm. um, as I would have wanted to be. I mean, I knew I had this kind of inkling, well, maybe I'll go to med school, but then I was worried, you know, if I go to somewhere that's like really, you know, um, challenging school, like even if I got in that, like I would be out competed by all these Mm -hmm. people who had been working hard and, you know, had all the skills. So, um, it was kind of, kind of a debate what to do. Um, you know, I think in retrospect, it was a great decision because I did get a lot of more, like just the small class and, um, small classes and like more, Mm -hmm. um, individualized instruction. Um, I wish I had gone to somewhere not (laughs) in Washington, but, um, so where in Washington um, is this school? I'm not familiar with it. Yeah. It's also outside Seattle. It's not very well known. Yeah. I mean, another reason why I picked it is they offered like basically 75% scholarship. So, Mm -hmm. um, it was, well, it sounds like you had your wits about you as far as, uh, how to get into med school and then even like some financial ideas of you know the financial crisis and other job options as well as like going to a school that didn't leave you with a huge chunk of student loans um in undergrad too so yeah but you know like because you went to you went to uh i forget it's university of oklahoma or yeah, oklahoma yeah. State. university of oklahoma so i went to my state school for university both oklahoma undergrad yeah. and med school and med school so you, I'm sure like your experience is probably different when you got the huge, the fun, yes. you know, rah, rah, <laughs> cool spirit. Yeah. All the fun. That's all Lindsay too. So. <laughs> I did get all of that. Boomer sooner. Yeah, you probably had all fan. the fun and still like managed to, you know, be at class at 8 a.m. the next day and get all your work done. And... Yeah. But it's not for everybody. I, I mean, I made it work and University of Oklahoma is, uh, it's not, it's not like, uh, hard I mean I not say it's not the hardest school to get into but it's not like a you know being an Oklahoma resident they really value that and so you know yeah I you know I got in there and I actually didn't want to go to OU that was not where I wanted to go to college but um I it's one of those things like you said too like you know I think it worked out for the best and um that's where I ended up going and it all worked out I guess so you know who's to say what would have happened if I went to SMU or wherever else was on my agenda so yeah. So you stay pretty close to home then it sounds like, right? If maybe an hour or yeah. two. Yeah. Okay. And I, exactly. Mm-hmm. Was that a priority or is that just kind of the way it worked out? It just was kind of the way it worked out because I didn't really know, you know, where else to look at. I did look at schools back east. Like I think I looked at NYU and George Washington. Um, they were really expensive though. So Oh, I yeah. did forgot to mention I did in high school I lived my junior year I did a I uh, lived for a half a uh, semester or half a uh, half a year in um, outside Tel Aviv so I went to a um, foreign high school oh so I did kind of get out for a little bit yeah so how long were you there and how did that happen that's cool it was yeah so it was a semester um, my junior year. So I knew I knew some other people that did it and they really liked it. So um I I did that. So at least I got away, you know, for uh-huh. a short amount of time. But so it was just um, a study so, abroad. You know, it wasn't program. like I always yeah. So it wasn't like I always, you know, had been in this mm-hmm. western Washington, you know, forever. So I did get at least a little bit of experience. 
I think that's so crucial to kind of for, you know, for folks to like, one of the yeah. biggest, you know, is to just get out of your zone and your bubble and experience mm-hmm. new things. So, yeah. And so then where did you end up going to medical school? Med school, I went to uh, Drexel in Philly. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Which is also okay. a very, yeah, very different experience. So, so whole other um, side of know, the country. Whole other side of the country. You know, I uh, fast paced East Coast. People are very direct there. First, yeah. like, you know, everyone says the East Coast are very rude, but it's just that, you know, they're more direct, I guess. Yeah. I feel like every area of the country, people are just a little bit different. Like, yeah. you know, the Midwest and the South, people are very social and they can, they're, I feel like they just, have a really good ability for like engaging with people and, you know, hospitality and like mm-hmm. having meaningful conversations. I know that's probably a stereotype, but I just, I feel like, you know, that's something that like when I meet people from those areas, it's, it's something I pick up on mm-hmm. versus like Pacific Northwest. We're very like reserved yeah. and a quiet, <laughs> sometimes flaky. <laughs> yep. 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 Well, I guess you guys would be able to speak to this given that you travel all over the country and meet all sorts of different people. So that's true. The patients are different, yeah. too, at least for me. We'll get into oh, that. Oh, that's though. right. You've noticed that, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so you're in college. You kind of have this idea that you might go into medicine because of the recession, because of your parents. You decide to apply for medical school. What's that process like? What, you know, how does that look? Is this something you decide during your junior year? So you take the MCAT on time and things like that? Or was it a bit of delayed process? No, I didn't. It was delayed for me. So I, t- when I graduated, um, there was a lab outside Seattle that was um, doing some um, kind of nerdy, some physics research. So I kind of committed to doing that just for a year while I figured things out. So I ended up doing that. And I, I don't even remember if I did the MCAT my senior year or if I did it during then. It had to, I guess that had to be my senior year because I had to apply. Mm-hmm. So, um, and uh, so, I, yeah, so I took the MCAT my senior year, and then I applied for the following cycle of admissions, I okay. guess. Okay. And at this point, I was still like, um, you know, I I don't know if they have like internet forums or Facebook groups or whatever back. I mean, obviously they have Facebook, but I was pretty like not well advised, you know, mm-hmm. into the process. I don't think it was a reflection of my school. It's just more like I didn't really, it was just by having parents, I didn't really know, you know, how to like apply to med for you know to med school what how to study for the mcats like um there just seemed like there's a lot of dearth of information so i kind of went into the whole process very like uninformed um but so it was kind of uh there's a lot for me to learn and and um and and all of that so like i didn't have like i know some people do like mcat courses and like Mm -hmm. you know i just i just kind of went through a book and just did it that way and (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's i would have I done things di- i would have done things differently i think it would yeah. have been more organized you know going back i would obviously be more organized now and, i agree with you yeah you there's know, not much but, well and the hard part for you too is like if you're just looking after your parents like think so many things change i don't even feel like i can give meaningful advice to somebody who's in college or applying for med school at this point because so much has changed since you and i went through it like I mean, maybe my advice would be to take a course, but that might not even be necessary now with all the resources on the internet. I don't know. So things change. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, and like the test is completely different. Mm-hmm. There's different scoring. So yeah, people tell me my score. There's score, all these. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's totally different. And there's all these new schools too that like mm-hmm. didn't exist when we applied. Yep. So 
Yep. So I think you're right. We're so far removed. Yeah. When you're getting this uh, research program, did you know, did you set that up because you needed like a year to kind of like a gap year between uh, college and med school during that application process? Because you had that all set up when you're applying to med school, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that was essentially just a kind of filler year for you to get through and kind of give you some extra boost to your CV and your application process for med school. Exactly. And then did exactly. you did you apply super broadly for med school? I mean, you end up going all the way across the country to med school. So so what did that application process look like? Yeah, I think I basically applied probably to I don't I don't remember if I I don't I mean I, I don't think I applied to every single medical school in the country, but <laughs> that would be expensive. I think the non that would be, I think that like the cuz you know obviously like the in-state schools, you know, when you're out of state, they don't show preference. So I don't think I applied to mm-hmm. those, but I think I try, just try to apply broadly. You know, it's also interestingly, another hard thing is coming from Washington. You know, we just, well, back then there was just the University of Washington, the mm-hmm. whammy program, which I mm-hmm. think they only had like 125 student, like uh, seats per class. So like, you know, I felt like I was almost coming at a little bit of a disadvantage mm-hmm. versus like, for example, you know, the East Coast, New Jersey, New York, like they have, I don't know, 15 med schools in each of those states. Right. So it was, I felt like I had to apply broadly because, yeah. you know, there's just the, U, the UW and that was it. So mm-hmm. did you apply to both MD and DO programs? Yes, I did okay. apply to DO. Just, uh, but not, I think like two schools, maybe. There's one in Washington and there's one in Yeah, PNWU. Oregon, was that there then? Yeah, I think that was just getting going. Okay. I know I interviewed there, so okay. I had to have, maybe they had a class already enrolled. So what was the deciding factor so, for Drexel then? Did you, well, I guess in med school, right? I only got into one med school, but um, you get into the, it's not like the match program. Like you figure out where all you get into and then you get to choose, right? Yes. I, I and it's like so long that I'm trying to, I mean, I was the same thing. I only got into one medical school. So okay. I, I don't have, you know, obviously looking now, I mean, I, I view DOs as, as exactly the same as us. You know, mm-hmm. the people, like I have no bias at all. And I can't, I don't have anything negative to say about osteopathic medicine. I just was told back then that if, you know, if you do get in, into an MD school that you should go to that over yeah. a DO school. Mm-hmm. And so that was basically, um, you know, I decided that Drexel would be a better choice yeah. just based on that factor alone. Yeah. But, I mean, I um, still think DO programs, as I've seen, can sometimes, it's such a different, they have their own residencies. And then if they want to match into MD programs, they have that option, which is nice because MDs, I don't know now if they do, but when we went through, we couldn't apply to DO programs. Um, so it almost gives you more right. options for residency, but you have to be even more competitive to get into those MD programs as a DO, at least in my experience, um, from what I saw. They, I think, yeah, we were talking about like the match. Yeah, they have some benefit, I guess, in that they can apply to both. But from my experience being on the MD side of residency, it can they have to be kind of shining stars, essentially, to have a DO get into an MD program, which makes sense a little bit because they have their own programs to get that they can um apply to and mds only yeah. md programs but that may have changed now too i don't really even know. i heard it's changed because i heard the programs have merged so okay. they're all like acgme now and so i yeah i think it's completely different from when we went through it We're and i don't know how that change has affected them or you know what that means in terms of 
Um, mm-hmm. Oh, you went out. Oh. Your, oh, your audio is still there, but you're... Oh, oh we back. might freeze, okay. yeah. <laughs> That's okay if we freeze. Yeah. As long as okay. the audio goes, because this is just an audio-only podcast. No one's going to see Oh, you. got it. No yeah. one's okay. going to see us. Yeah. So it seems like in the future, maybe the only difference is going to be in that four years of medical school, and then, you know, DOs and MDs are going to be on basically the same path through residency and everything afterwards. Yeah. I mean, they might as well just be the same thing. I think it should be. It just creates confusion for patients. I mean, unless they feel like they're, you know, they're like that. I call it massage therapy, but like the the osteopathic therapy is like, yeah, manipulation. Yeah. yeah, Unless it's like such so different from, I I just feel like we all do the same thing at the end of the day. So it should be just, but whatever. Yeah. I know if you're going to dig a physician, you want it to be a DO because they give better massages. (laughs) <laughs> wow. are you gonna keep that on the recording yeah that's rude well I you're pretty miserable at that's denigrating. <laughs> i shouldn't have called it this. that's probably really denigrating that omt right mm-hmm. osteopathic manipulative treatment or t- yeah yeah <laughs> yeah we'll have deirdre come on and fight us about it maybe so <laughs> maybe deirdre can give you a massage at lost prairie wouldn't that be nice okay well moving on <laughs> to my hor- from my horrible massage therapy uh, maybe that could be another degree I could get, David. Another next school. Move In your on. spare time. Sure. Yeah, another degree here. Another degree. <laughs> you know, I'm just a glutton for punishment. More training for, I don't think anyone can do more training than you. <laughs> I know, right? Well, <laughs> give them a run for their money. So, okay. So you go to med school at Drexel. Well, you get into Drexel. Your only school, only MD school you get into. So you end up, you're going to move across the country. How are you feeling about that? Yeah, I was kind of nervous but you know I just was like well if I'm going to do this I got to do it so I just did it I guess yeah um I think I packed my car and shipped it and then my sister and I went out there and we looked at apartments and then I started like four weeks later so it kind of just all happened you know yeah Yeah. crazy you just kind of decide you're going to do this thing and then time keeps rolling and there you are yeah. Did you Never have an, an idea of what sort of physician you were going to be when you started? No, not at all. No? Okay. You just knew, I knew not everyone, a pediatrician. Not pediatrics. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, admittedly, like, I think I had some, I mean, I still do. I think a lot of us do. You know, you have self, some self-confidence issues. So I was always like, well, I would love to be a dermatologist or, you know, something else that sounds really fun and exciting. But, you know. Everyone always says it's so competitive. They'll never get in. Um, uh-huh. You have to be at the top of your class. All those things were, you know, the negative uh-huh. energy that they give you. Yeah. So I, I never really, I honestly did not consider derm until like, which is, I mean, for folks who want to apply, it's the totally opposite of what you need to do. But I, I literally, it just was, I, I just was like, I'll never be good enough to get in. So why even consider it? Yeah. Um, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. I mean, I went through, you know, the first, second year of med school and like, so. Was derm on your, was your derm on your radar even then? And you no, just kind of kept telling funny, yourself no or? So interestingly, I have another funny, I don't know if I ever told you this story. It's kind of like, it's kind of, you know, things just kind of serendipitously work out just like uh-huh. the Spokane TY. Um, yeah. So I got to med school, like med school was super hard for me. I, you know, I don't, I, I guess a lot of people feel this way, but I was not a biology major. I did. Mm-hmm. I ended up doing chemistry, actually. So um, it was, you know, a lot of, as they say, uh, it's like drink, drinking water from a fire hose. Yep. So it was a huge adjustment for me. Um, I didn't really do well the first 
quarter, I guess, of med school. Um, took me a while to get kind of my bearings. So, um, and then like, you know, there's step one, all of that. So there was a lot of, I was not even like, which like picking a specialty wasn't even on my radar. I was just, Mm -hmm. honestly, I was just trying to like get through those pre-clinical years and like do well. Yeah. So. So then how did Durham come up on the radar? Durham. Yeah. Okay. So, so, um, Drexel, they had this program, interestingly, that they partnered with Kaiser. Um, so like Drexel, as, as people probably know, they had a hospital called Hahnemann, which was mm-hmm. sold to private equity and then went bankrupt and made like national news is huge controversy. But um, back then they had, you know, that was a like our main time hospital. And then they had some like satellite clinics as well that you could rotate at, of course, all to the Northeast. Um, they had Drexel is like a big undergraduate school. So they um, had a satellite campus for the undergrad in Sacramento, California. Um, and so the med school, when I was there, like literally as I was finishing second year, they uh, decided to like trial this program where they would send like 12 of us out to California to do all our rotations out there at Kaiser. Huh. Um, so I like you would apply for this. And so um, I uh, so I did that. So I moved. Out, so I was only in Philly for two years. Oh, and then I, I got didn't to go back this. to the West Coast and okay. live in Sacramento. Yeah. So you were in Sacramento for third and fourth year of med school as like a trial program. Yeah. Yeah. I was cool. in Sacramento, mostly third year, fourth year, you know, you do all those away. So like mm-hmm. I was technically in SAC, but I wasn't like hardly there. So, um, yeah, so I, uh, so I did all my, so I moved out to California, did all my rotations there. And of course, like third year goes by and, you know, you have to start picking your sub eyes and what you're going to do, mm-hmm. you know, how you're going to apply, you know, what you're going to apply to and all of that. So. I was honestly like, I, you know, basically, I think I basically mentally blocked off picking a specialty for like thinking about it all those uh-huh. years. And like, I honestly didn't know what to do. I was, cause I went through all the third year rotations. And I was like, I, I really hated pediatrics. I, I liked, I actually liked OB-GYN. I thought that was, yeah. I, you know, it wasn't, I felt like, um, at least like babies and like, it's like a positive thing that's happening most of the time versus yeah. like, telling people they're going to die from something or treating mm-hmm. some, you know, terminal disease. I didn't really like internal medicine. Um, mm-hmm. Surgery I did like, but I just, I, I never could have committed to those hours. Yeah. Like, I, I just, I think everyone has different uh, thresholds and I, I just, mm-hmm. it was not, it would not, it would not have been a good fit for me. Yeah. So and then I thought, well, maybe I'll do radiology or, and then like Durham was kind of like in the back, like I always really, to be honest, I always really wanted to do Durham, but I just kind of, talk myself mm. out of it I just yeah because I just I think again going back to that self-confidence thing yeah. it's just like well you know everyone always says Durham you have to be top of your class you have to be perfect this and that and like there's just no way and that you'll so ever many people are match. afraid to admit that they want to do Durham I remember I was there were only mm-hmm. two of us in my med school class me and one other girl who were like we want to do Durham as like first years and we're like we're gonna do it and it's so stigmatized but nobody it's like, else oh, you don't really say w-. yeah it's they're like, oh, that's thing. not being a real doctor, you know, which is such bullshit. Cause... Or like everybody <laughs> waited till they got their step one score. And then like all these people came out of the woodwork and there were like five people that wanted to do Durham. That wanted to do it. Yeah. 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 And like, I'll be honest with you, my step one, my step two was actually really good. My step one, I don't remember. I don't even remember what the numbers are. Because I know it's changed. I, it mm-hmm. was okay. It was not amazing. It was not right. terrible, but it was like not, people always said you had to have like, you know, the perfect score or whatever it was or like. 
Wasn't it like a 270 or something that you had? 260 to get was to the like, number I remember of 260. like. 260. Okay. Because I remember thinking like, if I get like a 250, well, 260 was like you got it made in the shade, but if you had like 250 to 260, you were like gonna get interviews. You essentially. were gonna get in. Yeah. Which is now changing because I guess they're getting rid of all those yeah. numbers. Yeah. Now it's so like, like pass fail. So did you wait till your you got your step two score? You said your step two score was good. Did you wait till then to like admit to yourself and others that like you actually wanted to do Derm? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I got my step two score, which is great. And then like, I was debating actually between derm and radiology, because I really mm-hmm. like visual things. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, derm, like you got it. It just, I didn't really have any case reports or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually pretty late in the year. The research. Yeah. And my home program, I think even like the derm sub I was already full. Mm. So like I was, this is like, Anyone who's listening to this, like, do not do what I did because, like, I did it all wrong. So this is, like, very last minute and, like, botched. But um, so, like, I there was, like, I think I almost was going to, like, they had an opening, but it was, like, too late in the season or I, I, I don't even know what happened. But, like, for Drexel, when you, like, apply to your sub eyes, they had this, like, online system you would log into. And so you could see, like, how many openings were available for each mm. sub eye. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just happened to log in, like, this one night, and there happened to be an opening. Someone, like, had dropped Derm um, for their July sub-I or whatever. So uh, so I was able to get it. <laughs> That's great. So <laughs> was this in, in, get it on time. in Philly, or did, was it in Sacramento? This was in Philly, yeah, okay. at Hahnemann, okay. at Drexel. Nice. Yeah. And then you, so did, a, like, you did an away at OHSU, too, because that was one of our other, like, um... We didn't do it together, but we both did uh, away rotations at OHSU. I remember kind of like bonding yeah. over that as well. So you did some away rotations yes. too in Durham. So obviously you knew enough to apply for those because that happens during your third year, if I remember correctly, that you kind of apply for yes. away rotations yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that too, I was, I mean, I wasn't, I think it was a little late. <laughs> yeah. I remember your OHSU I, rotation I, was later than mine, like, like by a couple months. Later. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of, yeah. So People should not do what I did, but it was, I made, I somehow managed to like get my shit together and made it work. So yeah, I did OHSU and then I think I did one other one yeah. um, in New York, managed to get a case report. Nice. So like, you know, cause you have to have something obviously yeah. published. Yeah. So yeah. Well, and I think one of these, um, one of the things for people to learn from your story too, is like, I, I just don't think people should be so like scared i guess i didn't realize the competitiveness of derm which was why i was like yeah i want to do derm but of the two people who wanted to do derm in my class like the other girl ended up doing anesthesia and she probably could have gotten into derm if she wanted to she just decided she liked anesthesia more so i think like just go for the gold like whatever you really want to do like yeah don't be so like follow follow your heart i mean yeah you know, some people obviously take a whole year off to do research on yeah. um, but yeah, it's funny. I mean, every school is different. Some schools, I'm sure they like, you know, tell you to do whatever you want. I mean, my school, I'm not ashamed to admit this, but when I, you know, because everyone has like, I don't, what do they call them? Like, They're not guidance counselors, but like they're people you meet with to help advise yeah. you, advisors, I guess. And so like, I finally like, you know, came out there and said, I want to do Durham. And like, I remember my advisor just was like, <laughs> she turned white and was just like, yeah, that's not going to happen. And basically told me that to my face. all the time like what basically it was just like yeah she was just like that is just there's like i'm sorry but like the odds are like like the cards are stacked against you like you're wasting your time 
like you could do it but like just know that like you are shooting for the stars and like you know just have the expectation that you're going to be disappointed yeah. so huh. have a backup plan and then you that, got that was, in that first was my time <laughs> yeah but you still got you made it work like and 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 there's even stories of people who don't make it work the first time but like this is the thing you're going to do for the rest of your life like <laughs> it might take you a couple years you might as well shoot yeah. for what you actually want to do we're getting confirmation bias here we need to find somebody who was rejected from dermatology oh i know a few so <laughs> yeah we need but to... they get yeah, in. No, I, mean, I know funny. them because they yeah. ended up in derm yeah. you know it's funny because i forget the whole match process but you know there's like day where you, you don't find out where you get in but you find out like uh -huh. you've matched yeah black I, I forget monday. how that works like it's black monday right yeah like I they tell you and, and i forget does it tell you if it, you matched into a internship and a derm yep. or does it just tell you okay well and so it so, will only tell you if you match into a spot so if you had applied to both like if you had applied to both derm and radiology you wouldn't know if you got into derm or radiology you would just know that you matched you matched that's right yeah but you would like if you got into an intern year but not a categorical program it like I you would tell you that yeah because yeah. then you'd try and soap so black monday happens for those listening like black monday is the monday of match week and friday is match day and so monday afternoon or tuesday morning through thursday or friday morning there's this thing called soap s-o-a-p which actually yeah. stands for something, and I can't remember what it is right now. But basically, um, you match in all the unfilled residency and fellowship spots. Deirdre talks about this in her episode a little bit. And all the unmatched uh, residents um, or medical students, I guess, try and match up into a program. So Deirdre, on her episode, if you haven't heard it, you can listen to it. But she talks about this because she went through that process. Um, and they try and kind of push you into whatever specialty you can go into that has an opening to try and you know fill all the unfilled spots essentially um yeah but you know you you get an email that just says you matched or you didn't right match. yeah and for me like i i didn't apply to radio i didn't apply to other specialties because i was like you know i just i didn't feel like i could go interview for those mm -hmm. knowing that it's something i didn't want to do mm -hmm. so i felt like i would be wasting their time and like i, I just couldn't feign it yeah. So I didn't, I honestly only applied to yeah. derm. So you were really, um, but I did. You were fully yeah. committed to dermatology then. I was basically fully committed by that point. Yeah. Which I think and is the way to go. Cause otherwise you're, you're stealing that spot from somebody that truly wants it. Somebody else. And yeah. you're wasting your time and your money for something that like, if you're not going to be fulfilled for, like I said, it's the rest of your life. So why, why even. Why go down that yeah. route? Yeah. yeah. So I, I basically, you know, based on all the advice that I got and like all the feedback from various sources i uh, like i think that you could even like set up your soap spot or like a like you could register like if you knew you were going to have to soap like i think our school had it where like you would just put your name on a list so they would tell you where to meet or something oh. for the soap so i just uh, like i just assumed that i wasn't going to match and um i like was like okay i'm gonna have to be here at like 11 a.m or whatever to make my soap arrangements <laughs> um like i had it all ready to go that i was like Oh, wow. I'm going to soap, it, but I'll be fine. Like, you know, I'll figure it out. And so I was like, I was just so ecstatic and taken aback when yeah. I matched. So how many, like when you get that email yeah. and it's like, oh. I was like, I was literally, I was literally like on, you know, Philly has like a, like a, it's not a subway. I think it's called SEPTA or something. I was literally like walking yep. to the station mm -hmm. you to go to school exactly to like where figure out my soap. Yeah. Yes. And then I got this email that it's like, 
well, you've matched. Congratulations. And I was like, I just, it was You're like, I'm going to be a dermatologist. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> it was honestly probably, you know how it is. Like one of the best mm-hmm. moments of your life. Yeah. Oh, I like... remember exactly where I was when I got that email. It's like, yeah, for sure. So cool. But okay. So why were you so dead set that you were going to have to soap? Like, did you, how many interviews did you do? I did like four or four. I think so. Four derm interviews. Okay. Yeah. And you need, I, mean, I think, wasn't the conventional advice that you needed like, 10 or 12 seven yeah 10 or 12 thinking yeah yeah so i only got four (laughs) yeah i had somewhere around there too but i wasn't as like dead set that i wasn't gonna match as you were i kind of still thought i was gonna match (laughs) but i also told everybody i wanted to do derm as a first year so maybe i was just like had like you know um ignorance is bliss type of thing yeah hey i mean it worked out. It motivated you. It mo- yeah, it worked out and it motivated you and you got what you wanted. You were not just Derm. You knew Moe's. Oh, I did. Yeah. Or, I tried to keep that a you secret were all, for a You while. were always, <laughs> I think that's great that you always knew that you were, you know, that was your dream. Yeah. You, you did it. So. I knew Moe's from third year of med school, which is pretty early for for that. But yeah, that was, I went to, I did Derm so that I could be a Moe's surgeon. But <laughs> it's not, I, I tell people which maybe is bad advice but i'm like don't go into derm just to do mo's and i totally did that but <laughs> it's a risk well i mean they're like different they're different i mean it's, the jobs are that's like they're so different it's so a, you, well and you know. i knew actually i had been told that too and so i kind of knew and maybe that's why i tell people that is because i had been told that and it was like i know that this is like not a good way to go but it's the risk i'm going to take and the path i'm going to take and i'm going to try you know like there's no way to get here with yeah that you know, going through this first. So anyways. Okay. So you get into derm residency. Amazing. Great. Well, you get into TY program. Woohoo. TY. Yeah. The best. Such a fun And even year. that people were like, those are so hard to get, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I think looking back, like, just like, you know, how you, you know, emailing, reaching out. I mean, that's a huge skill that mm-hmm. people I think can learn from is to show interest. And if you want something, you know, reach out and network with people and yeah find out ways to make it happen don't just assume that you just have to you know have all these things listed on your cv there's a lot of things that you you can proactively Mm -hmm. do that's true was that something that you were doing like i know that was the advice you gave me and honestly i think that might have been the only program that i like you know everybody reaches out like halfway through but like i think the email that i sent to deb probably stood out because of what it said um but is that something you were doing like early on to programs was reaching out to them was it it really wasn't, but then I figured, like, why not? Yeah. So, and, you know, Deb and Spokane, like, they were so, like, um, they, like, really cared about, you know, people who wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. And, like, you just got that vibe that, like, if you, sh- I, like, I just felt like if you showed interest and, like, you know, reached out to her that, like, she would, she would be receptive to that. Mm-hmm. And obviously she was, but I just got that feeling for her, from her. So no yeah. one, no one ever told me that, but, um, so that's why I just was like, you know. Just go for it. Because I know some places you'll email them and they won't. Like, yeah. It just goes straight into the Did you email, you know, though, junk mail. to get in? Or you had just got that feeling when you interviewed there? I think I got that feeling when I interviewed there. Okay. Yeah. I may, I may have emailed. I'm not sure. No, I think <laughs> I, 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 no, I, I think it was after. I didn't email her. To get the I didn't know any. I honestly, after. yeah. I didn't even know anything about that. I mean, you know, I, because I, and the, the other thing, too, for me is, like, I was, you know, med school. I mean, I wasn't California, but. Philly, you know, Drexel's in Philly. And so mm-hmm. the majority of my class, like nobody wanted to do a TY year in right. the West Coast. I mean, or 
let alone Pacific Northwest. So like there was, I, there was a dearth of information of, you know, mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. these programs were like and like, versus like, I felt like people who were in New Jersey, New York, like they had this, like, uh, you know, they had all their superiors and people who came before us who were like, oh yeah, I do this program. It's great. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so I felt like I had to kind of find out all this stuff for myself. Yeah. yeah. Well, you did a good job. Yeah, so you can come back to Washington and you do your your TY year here, and then you go to New York. Yeah, New York. Yeah, mm-hmm. back to New York. And... Yeah. So do your residency there. What was that like? How how was your residency experience? Good, bad, ugly, great. <laughs> I thought Durham residency was hard. Yeah. I, and people always are like, "Oh, you'll be working." And I, I mean, I knew there's going to be a lot of studying. It's just that, like, um, it just is completely different from you know, what we did in Spokane, like working mm-hmm. in the hospital, like it's, it's like, it's just. Spokane spoiled us. I think Spokane spoiled us. Yeah. <laughs> I so it was definitely an adjustment. Yeah. Everything's always an adjustment. I guess that's the moral of the story. But that's yeah. the one thing about Durham residency. I think, you know, that's interesting that you say that too, because I would not do Durham residency over again. You would have to pay me a lot of money. It was not. Fun. Oh yeah, I like did not enjoy Durham. It's hard. At all. It's really, yeah. it's really hard because you are in, you're in clinic all those hours. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you go around and then you see patients and then you're like it's lunchtime and then you kind of just you know wait for things to come in in the mm-hmm. afternoon and like you are working hard and then you have to go home and like there's this huge body of knowledge that you have yep. to study for and like you don't know anything your first year so like you know you're yeah. you're trying to like. And you're with Get all these speed. gunners. All the gunners, yeah. These Durham gunners. Every, like, yeah, it's like when you go from high school to college, like, the people get smarter, and then college to med school, like, it's just every level, it's like... Yeah, <laughs> and now you're surrounded by all the smartest people from med school. The interesting thing yes. to me about Durham, too, though, is, like, okay, Durham is such a, like, social field. Like, you kind of have to be a social person to be a dermatologist. And then Yeah, it's not just you can be smart. You have to be, like approachable yeah. and like there's a cer- I agree with you there's a certain um phenotype let's mm-hmm. say <laughs> yeah but then you take us and you like seclude us from everyone we don't interact with any other residents or specialists when you're a resident you're kind of like on an island all you do is like scribe and then study i just think that the setup of yeah, the residency yeah a lot of scribing is super yeah. hard for derm personalities like i just I think that like mm-hmm. other personalities might thrive in that environment, but you take you take somebody who you want to have a very because we talk so much to our patients and blah blah blah. Like you need very you need to be social and smart, and then you throw us into an island and tell us to work and then study and go to sleep. Like it's just not. It's like a setup for terribleness. I don't know. It is. It's a hard. It's hard years. to because because like when you see these patients, it's not like you can spend. You know, you have to be like you have to get you know mm-hmm. the information that you need while like being nice to them yep while like describing everything correctly to the yep. attending while having a good differential on a plan and like mm-hmm. you can't ramble on you know you have to be very like derm is it's like very short sustained like yeah so it's just well i'm glad to hear yeah, that it was hard for you too <laughs> yeah because <laughs> very hard for me <laughs> i thought you would have I've, i'm actually it's interesting to hear through that because i would think like you know you would have just sailed through it but yeah it's hard <laughs> it was a hard three years yeah hard um Okay, and then the most interesting and intriguing, and I'm super excited to talk to you about part. Okay, now you finish residency, right? Yeah. Tell us about how that happened, what you were deciding. Because, okay, most people are like, okay, you need to like have a job contract signed. I don't remember what they told me. It was different for me because I was applying for a fellowship. So I don't really have a good yes. idea of what was recommended to you because I was like Moe's minded. 
but you probably, you know, are getting pushed back to have a job set up by January, I'm guessing, of your third year of Durham. Yep. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, the issue was I did not know where I wanted to live because okay. I was in New York and like, um, I actually, you know, my co-residents, like I, they're all great people. And like, I had a great time living, you know, it was fun being kind of close to the city. And so um, I thought, well, maybe I actually want to live in the city, you know, for a little bit and then come, I didn't know if I wanted to do that and then come back to the West coast. Um, I didn't know if I wanted to go to California, you know, mm-hmm. so, cause, um, it was just me, you know, it's just me. So, um, I didn't have, you know, I don't, I don't have kids or anything. So I, I really didn't know where I wanted to be. So I really yeah. struggled with that. Cause yeah. kind of, I feel like that's the, when you're, when you're looking for a job, that's mm-hmm. kind of the first branching point is yeah. like. What geographic area do you yeah, want? And so, then it's like, so all do you your want family, is all your family in Gig Harbor? Like, was that your only tie in the United States? Uh, my parents are there. I have an older sister. She's in Seattle. Okay. Um, I have a hundred. She's she's gonna be one hundred and three in November. Grandmother. She lives in. She has, she lives in New York. Okay. My mom is originally from New York. So okay. Mm-hmm. My uncle lives there. I have family there too. Okay. So, so like New York and t- Seattle. I have a lot of ties. Were your two ties, yeah. I guess. And then yeah, I get it. Like I was single. No SO, you know, no significant other, no kids. You could go anywhere. It's almost daunting. You could go anywhere. It's daunting. And then, like, you know, Durham, it's, well, um, New York is obviously very competitive. Um, Mm -hmm. The Durham jobs there are, like, they pay probably starting salaries are, you know, probably the lowest for Mm -hmm. all of the U.S. Mm -hmm. It has, like, one of the highest costs of living. Um, So it's, like, the patients can be really demanding. So I just, I honestly didn't know what I wanted to do. I feel like this is kind of, you know, so I, I kind of pushed off making a decision. Um, and I think there is this pressure in residency. I mean, you're, and it's, it's not that it's malicious or anything, but because your program and your advisors and your chair, they, they want you to do, you know, obviously they want you to um, go to a, get a good job and like be successful and be happy. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I don't think they're coming from like a um, malicious, like a, I don't know what no, the word I'm trying like to say. like a bad standpoint. They're not a, a bad standpoint. Like they, they just want you to succeed. And so yeah. I, I think that's why there's that pressure to like get a job and like, you know, get it done. And so that way you could study for your boards, you know, have that mm-hmm. hanging over your head and you could graduate. So like, I know where they're coming from. Well, and even just the credentialing for me, I, process. It takes like six months process. to yeah. get a it's license and get credentialed. Which, yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know. Yeah. So I... I kind of struggled with that. And so I, I eventually am, you know, this is getting later in fourth in the, you know, towards the end of, end of winter, spring. And it was just like, well, what if I don't have to make a decision? Like, what if I can just try a lot of different jobs, see what I like, and mm-hmm. then that way I'll know. Cause I was like, it's going to be impossible to know without doing it first. Yeah. Um, so I decided to do some locums, you know, back there first for a little bit and then of course so i was there and i was like all right this is okay how did you even hear about locums though and what is locums fill us in yeah i (laughs) so i had an uh attending who uh no longer sees patients but she's kind of made a um name for herself Uh, dr bonnie Koo. she now has this uh, wealthy mom md and she's like you know really into like so like she had really honestly looking back like she was a great advisor because like she was like planting this stuff in us from like day one you know Mm -hmm. like it wasn't just like are you learning the material material well like are you like how's your financial life going are you like doing the things you need to do do you have like you know 
Are you going to get disability insurance? Yeah. Like, so That's I great. think she, yes, yeah, so I think like she posted about it somewhere. She was doing it maybe. Um, by that point, she was no, you know, she was no longer seeing patients, I think. So mm-hmm. I just kind of looked into it. Um, and, you know, I think I've, everyone sees ads from like Comp Health, whether it be those programs, mm-hmm. those like companies. So I started off with them and just contacted them and say, hey, like, are there any opportunities coming up? And so that's basically what I did. I did, honestly didn't know anything about locums um, besides that, like, it was not permanent. <laughs> right. Yeah. Traveling. So locums is uh, probably different for every specialty a little bit, but essentially means traveling physician. You're filling in for somebody. And the true yes. technicality of a locum tenens doctor is somebody who Placeholder. is operating under somebody else's license or credentialing who's no who isn't practicing like say they're on maternity leave or they're on vacation or something like that you're kind of like filling in for them i think that the term is used more broadly now um as somebody who's like a non-permanent position um even if you're not billing as a locums q6 modifier physician right like if you're there just for uh on a short-term basis even if you're not like you said technically feeling mm-hmm. under someone else's um credentialing you could yeah you could still be a locum to sell yeah so you get licensed in new york or you'd already been licensed in new york i guess and so you start doing jobs yeah there, and you decide you like just this like sm- very small ones at first okay i just didn't well yeah i took i took time off though after um so i didn't start right away i took obviously good boards mm-hmm. um so i don't even think i started until like later in the fall okay um, so I was just kind of getting going with things. And then, um, you know, then uh, COVID hit in February. Yeah, okay. So I was like, I was already planning to come back to like trial out Seattle to see what jobs there were like. Uh-huh. So basically, like I was actually already leaving just I'd already left as COVID was getting going. Okay. Um, and so that really kind of changed things for me because I was like, well, everybody's not hiring right now. So I'm going to have to keep doing locums mm-hmm. until I can find something yeah. permanent. How was, so. <laughs> how was locums during the pandemic though? Were you just doing stuff you could drive to at that point or? Yeah, it was pretty, pretty limited. Mm-hmm. I think I did some like virtual stuff, Yeah. Um, which was not, which pays terribly. So don't, don't recommend that. Um, there was like a month or two where I was actually not working. So it was, pre- you know, it was pretty light. Um, and then I uh, got a job in Walla Walla. Oh, yeah. Uh, another yep. locum's job, maternity yep. leave. Um, so that was kind of cool. It was my first like rural experience, you know. Yeah. How were your jobs? So, uh, Maybe tell us a little bit about. So, for the listeners, I do locum's work as a Mohs surgeon, um, which is probably much different than Jacob's experience as a general dermatologist, which is probably different than other people's locum's experience. But um, for me, I go and do about three days a month at each location-ish. Um, and so I'm kind of moving around a lot and flying from place to place to place. Uh, but for you, Jacob, I'm guessing your assignments are a little bit longer and then maybe you're flying back to your home spot on the weekends. What is kind of your, if you have an assignment, what does that schedule look like? It's changing because the first the first assignments I did were all super kind of short because um, that's what I basically could get um that's what they it just because locums you know it's like you kind of have to take what's available at that time and like mm-hmm. you said it's different for most different for gender so uh so like at first i was doing kind of maternity leave stuff 
Um, and then. So you're uh, working four days a week, just filling in for somebody for six weeks or so. Yeah, they're on exactly. Very short, very short term. Sometimes even less than that. Four, okay. like three to four weeks. Um, usually like, you know, six weeks, that sort of thing. And then uh, just as time went on, you know, I, uh, um, and those were like, those were true locums, like Q6 modifiers. Yep. So you really have to, you, know, you can't, I mean, you know, going into it that you're not going to be there long term. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as, after kind of a few of those jobs, I decided, you know, I needed a little bit more stability. So I ended up doing some places where I got credential that. Yep. Um, and so those have been more long term. Yeah. I guess. In the sense of it. Uh, yeah. So for me, like. Me, I'm not, right now. I'm going to be traveling like you, so I'll be mm-hmm. flying back and forth. Um, a lot of the jobs I was doing kind of around COVID and right out, you know, during COVID were mostly in Washington, okay, on um, Northwest area. Uh, and you're kind because, of based like, out I, of Seattle, right? Based out of Seattle, okay. Yeah, I just, you know, I was not uh, financially savvy, and so I figured, like, well, Washington. I don't know if viewers know, but it's a state that has no state income tax. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to save money that way. And there was, you know, Washington has such a huge shortage of general dermatologists that it actually, like, there's a huge need. Yeah. So there's mm-hmm. always somewhere open to work. I mean, it may not be the most ideal fit, but um, yeah. there's just a huge, I don't know why that is. Do you know why? I mean, no. I don't, is it, just, there's. Because there's not a shortage of Mohs surgeons. <laughs> there's not, a, there's not a shortage of Mohs. Yeah. I think Washington's population has grown quite a bit in the last yeah. uh, couple decades. So maybe they just haven't kept up uh, yeah. as far as dermatologists. Well, there's, yeah, I think the UW only has, I don't, I didn't interview there for residency, but I think they only have like two spots right. or is it three well, spots. Or... And that's part of it too. They're not, yeah, they're not like pumping them out essentially. So. Yeah. Just. So. Derm tries to keep that too. Uh, I. Derm, that's another thing about Derm, it's like it's very geographic. So people, you know, people kind of match where they're from and then, Mm -hmm. you know, you kind of end up staying where you, statistically, you end up staying where you did your residency. So I think a lot of people just end up staying where they matched. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So people move around too, but yeah. So you're generally working, you know, at this point, four days a week at a few different locations throughout the state or? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas it's kind of no, so I I do the max I do is four days. So that was another thing too. Like I didn't, you know, a lot of these permanent jobs that I were applying to, like for gender, and they were like, well, you can't work four days a week. You have to work thirty six to forty contact hours a week if you want to be full time and get full time benefits. Mm-hmm. You know, and so they were like, some places, you know, if you signed on as a as a permanent staff uh, position, like they would, if they didn't give you like. Uh, if you didn't work five days, like the, the only like the uh, the only time off you get would be like a half day per week. Yeah. For some of these jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And I just knew personally that like that was not a good fit for me. I, mm-hmm. I figured that out fast. That like my personal max is four four days a week. So, um, that was kind of uh, a good learning point for me, I guess. So yeah. So most of the jobs I'm doing are up to four days a week. Sometimes it's a little less, like two to three, just depends on what the needs are. But um, right now going forward, I'll be mostly doing four days a week. So you go there, do your four days, and then you come home, and then you're home for a day or two, and then you go back, or? Yeah, it depends. So, like, uh, I was doing a job in uh, Bellingham, Anacortes, like, northern Washington, near the mm-hmm. Canadian border. Mm-hmm. So it's a little too far to commute from yeah. the Seattle area. So I would go up there, stay at a hotel during the week, and then come back. Drive back, okay. And 
Yeah, drive back to that whole thing. But most of your places, like for me, you know, I'm Walla Walla, I flied. Okay, yeah, yeah. It was too far. It was like, I mean, it's not far, but it was just... And then did you you stay the weekends in Walla Walla too, or were you kind of back and forth? Back and forth. But there were, like, I think I stayed there like two or three weekends just to like, you know, hang out and do the fun things that all the area has to offer, but yeah. So your assignments are more like a month long, couple months long, depending there were more on if you're credentialing months. or not. Okay. Yeah, um, but the most recent jobs I've had have been more long term. So because okay. I've been actually credentialed at them. So yeah. So you're looking for more stuff that's you probably have more options. Well, I do know because I am in this atmosphere too. But as general dermatologist, you have way more options as far as places to go than a most surgeon does. My options are a little bit more limited. Um, it sounds like that yeah 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 and so you're able to stay a lot closer to home whereas i'm kind of flying all over the country essentially to fill in to make my schedule full essentially but yeah and yours is different too because it sounds like you have like three days here then like three mm-hmm. days there and then like mm-hmm. yeah and i could make it i mean i kind of tried to make it where i'm you know doing three days somewhere every week um which is maybe too much that's kind of cool though it changes but... it up yeah. Yeah, I mean, she definitely spends a lot of time traveling, especially, you know, when you've got to go. Like, you just had a pretty rough week where she's, okay, yeah. she's got to fly to Wisconsin. Yeah. So, and then she gets in a car and she drives two yeah. and a half hours to get to the... The site. The site. Yeah. Oh, wow. And then she works, she works there for three days. Uh-huh. And then that evening, she gets in the car and drives <laughs> two and a half hours, catches a plane yeah. to Michigan... And Minnesota. then dr- Minnesota, and then goes to her hotel, and then yeah. works two more days in Minnesota, and gets catches a plane back home. Yeah, on Saturday. Oh wow, yeah. I didn't realize it was that. Okay, that is yeah. that is a busy. Yeah, that's a lot of. I'm a glutton for punishment, time. Jacob. Remember, this or, is why I did yeah. two fellowships. <laughs> yeah, I see that. I do okay. it to myself. Yeah, but... I mean, and and yeah, she's. I think Lindsay's kind of figuring out that she has to. She can't say yes to every job, basically, but, you know. Yeah. It, it also makes no, sense to I, a degree to catch all those East Coast kind of jobs on the same week, but. Yeah. I'm trying to, I actually told myself recently that I will never do a uh, Eastern Standard Time job, ever. <laughs> yeah, just because the time zone changes. <laughs> Unless they and... want me there for a month and David can come with me or something, but it's <laughs> not, not happening. It's so hard to change time zones and go back and forth and and I'm getting old. Like my body can't handle that. Um, Isn't that crazy? I feel like that too. It's just like in our, (laughs) like I can never do like nights again, you know, like all those things we did intern year, like it just bounced back and you're like, you know, go to the gym the next day. And now it's like, (laughs) I don't think I could do that. Yeah. I have a seven hour flight and I'm like, I'm not doing anything the rest of the day. (laughs) I was on a plane for seven hours. But it's so... But it's so funny, like, you know, all these things, like, you're learning as you go along. When yeah. I, I think that's, like, the beauty of locums is, like, you just you learn all these things and, like, which you can't just, you know, know all these things going to a job before you get there. Like, the, the only way to find out is to learn as you go along. So you learn what yeah. works for you, what doesn't work. And, mm-hmm. like, yeah. you're not there permanently. So, like, if you need to make changes, you can make changes. And, like, you can I don't see know, I the way a diff- bunch of different yeah. places operate and really yeah, different places to operate. Like if you want a job, you know, permanently down the road, like you'll know what, yeah, hopefully a lot of people do. Well, you know, I, I think a lot of people do locums as a way to wait out a non-compete agreement. Cause mm-hmm. if our listeners aren't aware, um, a lot of medical contracts have these uh, non-compete agreements, which in, 
some states are legal and in other states they're not but um, are not yeah um, basically it says like you cannot work in this area for however many months and however many miles from your prior state of business or place of business and so a lot of people do locums so that they can you know wait out a non-compete and not have to move and things like that um but you are kind of found this straight from residency which i think is very unique and then have kind of decided to stay in it um it's a very non yeah it's non-traditional but it's interesting so like i was not into all the facebook groups you know like during residency but like afterwards like you know there's all these like locums facebook Mm -hmm. groups there's like the the durham chat like there's so like you know lo and behold like i there's all these people who are not dermatology necessarily well there's a lot but like a lot of specialties is like it seems like a lot of people more and more choosing Mm -hmm. this is their career yeah this is their career do you think that's maybe the influence of the travel nursing sort of shift as well like where this is a way to have a potentially more lucrative career with fewer ties to any specific location or? Well, I think that, I mean, Locus has been around for a long time. Like my mom, I know like she, when she left her, like before she, like she, uh, she was at a job for like 20 years and then she kind of retired. She didn't really want to stop working completely. Mm-hmm. So she did locums like kind of here and there. So I, it's been around for quite sometime i mean i know the travel nurses like especially with covid like people are super aware of it now yeah but i think like you know like when we like medicine is changing so much and like it's you know from when we applied to med school versus like where it is now it's like a whole different yeah animal and so i think people are like you know sadly a lot of people are very frustrated in the jobs mm-hmm. that they're at um the you know there's increased pressure to see more with less time, less resources, and it's all of which has been exacerbated during COVID. Yeah. And so, frankly, positions are burnt out, and they're looking for alternative lifestyles that allow them to control their time. Yeah. Um, which is your most valuable resource. Mm-hmm. So they want that flexibility, I guess. Do you and... find that to be the main pro of locums? Is that the control of your schedule, or? What do you find good and good about it? And what, what do you think is a kind of a, a negative of the lifestyle? I think, yeah, I definitely think that's the main pro is that you mm-hmm. definitely have more control over your, your schedule. Um, if you're business savvy and like, you know, you can um, incorporate, you know, like so you get all the benefits of being mm-hmm. your own mm-hmm. company, independent contractor, that sort of thing, which is really neat. Um, the other thing, too, which I'm sure you notice is like when you go to these places, which especially if you do locums in like rural sites, where they are desperate for, for help and you're fulfilling a need. They're mm-hmm. so appreciative oh, yeah. of you. Yes. Um, they're just so thankful for you to be there. And so you really feel yep. like you're making a difference in yep. helping these places who would never otherwise be able to get the medical care that they need. Yeah. So that's a plus. Um, and then like the diversity. I think the patients sites, are different obvious. too. I don't know if you patients felt are that. Different. Like the, oh, yeah. The, in those rural areas, not only are the staff appreciative of you being there and of your time, but but the patients are very much so more than my experience because for me I've had a unique experience in that I've both been a practicing doc in a place and then done locums whereas I guess you saw it in residency a bit but and you might maybe see it in Seattle and more your like um r- metropolitan areas versus your rural areas but oh yeah oh I agree with you 100 percent you um especially like you figure out what kind of demographics I mean Mo's obviously you're working with you know mostly older patients 
older patients, yeah. but um, you definitely learn there's a difference between seeing a 30-year-old in a metropolitan area yeah. who's looked at 500 TikToks of what they should be doing for their acne <laughs> and has an idea and like yeah. wants to go over every product they're using. And, you know, if you don't like just bow down to them, they're going to leave you like a terrible online review versus like a rural area where like someone is waiting six months to get into a dermatologist and like yeah. you come in and you fix their problem or you diagnose it and get them the treatment that they need. It's, I think that's really satisfying. Yeah. So you think it's a lot more. So, so, uh, obviously you can be financially savvy about it, but I, I would disagree with David and you can chime in. I, I, I want to know your opinion on this too, Jacob, but I don't necessarily think it's more lucrative. Um, then it's not like travel nursing where you're making like two times no. as much as you could. Um, I think you make about the That's same. That's a huge misconception. Yeah. Yeah. I would say at least for me, like with most, most of my gigs, all except one are about what I would make if I were doing working their private practice. Um, but I'm not getting benefits and I'm paying self-employment taxes. But like you said, if you're savvy about that, you can make that work in your benefit. But um, I don't. Yeah. Think it's, I don't think it's hyper lucrative. I think it's the the patient populations going to the rural areas and fulfilling a need um, is and, one of the biggest pros to me. And then I guess the control of your time. Except I'm bad about that. Maybe I'll be better. Um, right now, I think I have less can, less time than I did when I was working in Spokane. But um, mm. what other pros? And then and then what do you kind of think are the cons too? The other pros, I think, just like we said earlier, the like getting a diversity of uh, like a broad experience in different sites just really yeah. opens your eyes to like, you know, what kind of, just all the things like what kind of medical record, electronic medical record yeah. am I comfortable mm -hmm. with? You know, do I, it, uh, will I have a scribe? Like, do mm -hmm. I like working with, um, nurse practitioners and physician assistants? Um, do you like, you know, what is some places like, for example, in Gendrum, the staff will, numb and like you know yeah. they'll do all the things for you in other places they will like just ruin the patients so you mm -hmm. you know it just varies so you learn all these things mm -hmm. so that's a pro and you know a con like if you get stuck somewhere that's not uh how you like it necessarily yeah how you like it and there's yeah. no and you realize that there's no perfect place obviously sure. but um other let's see i think the cons are as you alluded to obviously you know the travel mm -hmm. um you're not, you know, you're staying out of a hotel, which like, is ooh, not your house, I'm diamond so. Hilton status. Great. <laughs> you know what that yeah, means is I like, haven't been at home for 48 nights. <laughs> yeah. Right. You don't have your, exactly. Like, and like, you probably aren't eating the best, you know, you yeah. don't have your gym. Like these towns don't exactly have Whole Foods and Trader Joe's where you can just like get everything that you need. It's like, they mm -hmm. may have a supermarket. But, yeah. Like, um, so that part aspect is hard. Or nowhere's also, open you know, after 9 p.m. That's the thing I've noticed. I get in at yeah. 9 p.m. and they're like, oh, the only thing open is five guys. And you're like, all the grocery stores are closed. There's only one restaurant open and I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, you're kind of isolated when you're on, you yeah. know, it could be lonely when you're when you're in these areas and, like, you're just, you know, by yourself. And, like, mm -hmm. especially Durham, we're so, like, we're very social beings. So, <laughs> uh it could be, that could be, I think that could be challenging too. The other negative, which you alluded to, not only like, are you traveling, but you're not getting compensated. Like when you, yeah. like when you're spending seven hours, sure. you know, get, get into the airport two hours early than like getting your connecting flight. And like, that's all time that you could be doing stuff at home, you mm -hmm. know, that you're commuting to work and you're not getting compensated for that. Yeah. So 
that's become the frustrating thing for me that I don't think I really realized until now. Because I started doing locums in December. And basically December through March, I was doing like one gig a month. So it was like, okay, like I get on a flight, whatever. But in June, I was like traveling every week. And then you're like, holy cow, I I get nothing done. Sure, I could pay $8 for Wi-Fi or whatever, but it's the slowest Wi-Fi you've ever had. And it might not work. And you can barely get anything done, even if you have Wi-Fi access. So I've just given up on that. But you're right. Like that's uncompensated hours in a profession where time is money, essentially. Every minute counts. So Yeah, and that's kind of the downside to you know, doing it like you have to, where you're only there for a couple days at a time versus, Mm -hmm. you know, if you were taking longer, a month long contract, you'd be out there for, you would be spending significantly less of your time traveling back and forth. Mm -hmm. But yeah. And I have friends who've done locums before too. Um, in addition to Jacob and I know some people like they'll only stay at an Airbnb because they want to have a full kitchen to kind of offset some of the negatives that you've discussed. Um, but for me, that's not honestly. And and in one of our locums groups, they actually talked about this recently, like hotel versus Airbnb, and there's pros and cons to both. And so, for for me, it's just not worth the so the cons. But that, yes, that, so you like you prefer the hotels. What do yeah. you? So what do you do for food? Because I feel like mm-hmm. that's a hard thing for me. It's like I would love to be able to bring, like just have meals prepped that you know that I could just not resort to. Yeah, I've thought about that. There are some meal deliveries that I've thought about seeing if they have, but like at one of my locations, they have a full fridge and freezer for me in my office. And um, (laughs) yeah. Um, And so at that location, I will actually like buy a bunch of groceries and just the nice thing is I can leave them there and they will be there when I come back. you know, I go there every other week. So I go there more often than my other locations. But my locations that I'm going to, three of my jobs I don't even go to every month. So it's like, when am I going to be back? I have no idea. And so those like, and and one of them, I like share an office with other people, but I usually have a snack drawer. It's very different for me too, though. Cause like I'm working through lunch, you know, I show up. Oh yeah. I have no idea when I I show up at seven 30 or eight, whenever we start. And with Moe's, you usually have a census of anywhere from eight to 15 plus patients. And you never, you don't, I don't have a lunch break built in. One of my locations we do, but I very rarely actually take it. I'm usually snacking as I go. So uh, most of my offices, if, if I have a desk, I have a snack drawer um, that I try and put healthy snacks in. But you know, when you go to the grocery store and you're hungry, like not very healthy snacks. It's so I have really, not been good. I'm working really on hard. it. I'm working mm-hmm. on it. That's a very hard, really... hard hard thing to do Lindsay's problem isn't gaining weight though it's losing weight so (laughs) that's everybody's (laughs) yeah no i mean as in she she is losing weight as she travels not gaining oh sorry (laughs) this is stress related though yeah yeah Yeah, she just doesn't have the physical time to eat yeah like sometimes i don't either it's really interesting some places i'll have an hour lunch like so Mm -hmm. that you learn too versus others yeah just the way it is you just I may get five minutes mm-hmm. if that. Yeah. So, so you can kind of decide how you want to set your schedule up. Were, were you going to ask something, David, though? I kinda... Do you guys want to discuss a mutual hatred of recruiters? Or Ooh. how do you feel about <laughs> recruiters? <laughs> Hopefully they're not listening in. But they might fine. be. Well, I mean, let them know. <laughs> so uh, I hate having I – will, I will start if you want me to, Jacob. 
Go ahead. Um, but uh, I hate having a middleman. So there is right. one. I really enjoy one of the recruiters I work with. She's great. I love her. She's awesome. I like working with her. But it's still a pain in the ass, to be honest with you, to have a freaking middleman. Like, I'm like, I can't just, I know the contact now at the place that I work. And instead of just talking to them about dates that I want to extend, it's like, I go to my recruiter and then they go to the, so even if you love your recruiter, which I really like this one person, like it's such a pain in the ass to have to have a middleman. And so so that is my biggest complaint. And then as you know, because Jacob and I text a lot, if you have a recruiter you don't like, not only is it a pain in the ass, then you don't like them. So it's terrible. Um, But you might really like the assignment. And so then it's like this catch 22 where it's like, I still want to go to this place, but I have a recruiter and I'll get every, all the listeners up to speed too, which is very interesting with locums that I didn't know about. But when you sign a uh, locums contract with a recruiter, I think every single locums contract recruiter locums contract is like this. Jacob, you can correct me if I'm wrong. And I tried to get this taken out of both of my recruit recruiter contracts and they won't take it out. But if you're presented to a company or a business through a recruiter company as a locums, you cannot work for that company outside of the recruitment firm for two years. So even yeah. if you love that job and those people, you are stuck with this this firm. It's like worse than a non-compete contract. <laughs> You're stuck yeah, with them for two just, years. <laughs> and it's not just the place you, it's like any, it's, I, I forget the exact wording that you typically use, but it's like any affiliation, like, so like, you know, it, it's not just the site; it's any of the clinic yeah. sites yeah. within their entire network. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. And they they do typically have a of, buyout clause, right, where they can buy that. They like can buy you yes. out of the yes. recruiter yeah. contract. Yeah, but. and so, and so I, one of mine, I, I, I talked a, um, to. Yeah, go ahead. I had one that was like, "Oh, we really want you to come back, and we we agree. We don't want to use this middleman. We'll just consider buying you out." And so they actually looked into it, and like it was just. Not only there was like fees in addition to the 50,000 or whatever it was to buy me out. And they were just like, we can't, we're just going to have to wait. If we want you to come back, we can't, Wow. can't do this. So I I think there, I think, go ahead. Well, the interesting thing is I will, I will make this comment too, because I didn't realize this until I was about to sign my first first recruitment contract um, because I tried to get this out of it because, you know, the the first recruited recruitment contract that I signed was actually like my third or fourth job assignment contract that I'd ever signed and so I kind of had some sort of idea of contracts and so I see this clause and I'm like I'm not signing this like hell no and they're like well you're actually kind of already stuck because it's basically if you've been presented presented yeah exactly even told them about you you're stuck with us for two years and so there's little things like that that so I would say if anybody's ever interested in locums reach out to me, reach out to Jacob or, or, or we can set you up with somebody, um, who does it, but there, there's lots of little ways that they try and kind of get you. Uh, and we have physicians in some of these groups that Jacob's introduced me to, we've banded together as much as we can to prevent these things from happening, but it's a crazy thing. I couldn't even work my way out of it because they, I had already been presented to this company and they decided they wanted me. And at that point, really sucks. you haven't even yeah. signed anything, but you, you've like verbally committed to this thing that you didn't even realize you committed to. It's so weird. Yeah, I know. I think, well, I mean, you know, I think if you're like, have never done locums before, you know, maybe for like your first 
couple of assignments. You know, if you have a good recruiter, yeah, it could just it's, it might be a way to help, kind of help you get your feet wet because mm-hmm. they kind of can organize things a little bit better. I mean, not all the time, but yeah. you know, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I, there's that, and you both aspect. work. You both have contracts, I assume. You know that you have not gone through recruitment yeah. agencies for at this point too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it sounds like so it sounds like have... when you started, you kind of you you didn't have any idea that you didn't need to go through recruitment agencies, and you know, so you started off on that. And I assume as your reputation starts to build, the need for these uh-huh. sort of people becomes less and less, and as you gain more contacts. Yeah, because like anything, you don't you know you just I didn't really know about locums. Like you don't even know like what is a decent rate for your for your yeah. subspecialty. What how much should you be getting per day for you know to travel to these places? What so there's there's just so many things, like anything, to learn about. So, um, I think that you know. So that's why having rec- having these kind of more structure yeah. at first can be helpful. Yeah. Are your uh, so we, for me, my recruiter jobs are paid uh, either on a daily rate or a like per case rate, case per essentially. Case. Um, but my non-recruiter contracts are like a percent collections rate, which is a very standard way that a full-time contract is written. But but very differently from Mo's, as I've learned, uh, and I think this is more common just for locums, like in general, is that most locums are paid in an hourly rate fashion or in a daily rate fashion. Is that right? Well, Yes. Um, it depend, like really when you think about it, what you're doing essentially when you go with, for these non-recruiter jobs and you're getting percent collections, you're basically functioning as just like an independent contractor. Mm-hmm. You just happen to be traveling mm-hmm. uh, on an airplane to get to work. But so right. that's basically, you know, what they're doing. So you could do that. Like there, there are general dermatology or I'm assuming other specialty jobs where you could do that. The reason why people, I think, gravitate towards um, kind of uh, hourly or per diem, but really hourly is better. For, we can talk about that too. But I think it's because you know for collections you have to wait for those to come back. Yeah. So yes, this was you know, another point. You don't yeah. you don't want like a lot of people don't want to wait. Yeah. You know, or run the risk that they may not have paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is like you know if you travel all this air you know away and then like there's a hurricane or God knows what and you have that. Or a snowstorm and half your clinic gets canceled, you know, mm. then you don't get paid. So, um, they, I guess hourly is, or if, you know, if there's for some reason a ton of no shows, then mm-hmm. it's kind of a stopgap to ensure that you make money yeah. no matter what. Yeah, um, I definitely. There's and the other that. thing is like for like for for me, like you know, especially charting and like all these other a lot of things. I've realized that like you know, physicians we're not ta- we're taught to like you know just do all this stuff for free and like not value our time and so like yep. i was always like you know sometimes you'd have to spend like an hour or whatever charting calling people patients and like all, all these things and i've you know now i'm charging for that so it's yeah. kind of nice to be able to do that so which you can't really do with collect uh you know like a right. collection space yeah or even there just was one job daily, i right? did though yeah. there was a job i did though that was they were going to do uh percent of charges yeah not necessarily what mm-hmm. you Mm-hmm. So I've, I've seen that too. So yeah, that I've seen that. I've paid. heard about that too. Yeah. And my friends who've, I have a friend who did a percent charges as a Moe's doc, um, percent charges. And so then they would pay him out, you know, his percent charges. But like you said, I think oh, I see. I, at the end of the month, 
but I think it's a good comment. Like, um, you know, working for the recruitment firms, I get paid my full rate. Like, hmm, I think it's like a week after I worked there, maybe two weeks, a week. It depends on when you submit your timesheet or whatever. Um, but, but like one of my jobs that is a hundred percent collections based, like I worked there in May. And I think I've just finally realized now, like mid mid July, late July, like my I have finally fully got paid for those two days that I worked in May. Um, so it's definitely a delay, a lag, um, yeah, a yeah. huge lag. And so that can be fine if you're kind of ready for it. But if all of your jobs are that way, and you're just coming out of residency or something like that, that might be might be a hard hard mm-hmm. thing to to deal with. Yeah, so. Definitely. But also, generally, those percent collections jobs have a base rate. If you negotiate it that way. Yeah, if that, you negotiate That's it how that my way. contracts are written, but that's just... So you, she's got, like, a base rate up to mm-hmm. said amount and then collections over that amount. Yeah. So she's never going to get, you know, in too poor a position if there's a snowstorm or... Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but I mean, I would really rather my snowstorm, snowstorm to happen at one of the places where I... Uh, get a per diem or a base base minimum um than somewhere where i'm getting percent collections because even though i've got a base that's kind of cumulative so it's additive over all the times that i've worked there it's very complicated but this is why (laughs) i can't even imagine doing this straight out of residency um which is so it would be really yeah it'd be really hard well you did that (laughs) jacob (laughs) yeah i mean like to do no i mean to do uh like collections yeah yeah i mean oh yeah this is hard to do out of resident i mean it's but i mean like i just did i did hourly first but yeah, yeah no i agree with you it's hard in general but it'd be even harder to like mm-hmm. kind of go through all of this so yeah yeah and i agree with you i think working with a recruiter has its benefits especially at first uh, until you kind of unless you've been out and understand the more of the you know kind of logistics and pros and cons of different payment forms so on these uh, hourly contracts you're talking about, if you're charging, you know, a week later when everything's ready, is that part of that hourly contract? Is that time that you're giving away, you're no longer giving away for free or? Yeah, like, well, I, so I try to do, you know, like, I, uh, it's, I guess some places they want you, like for me, if I have biopsies that come back and mm-hmm. like, I'm not there that week, yeah. and they, you know, usually like someone else will review them, but some places okay. are like, can you take a look at this? And like. You know, or patients call in with questions. It's like, you know, that's your time that you're not there. So you yeah. should be, in my opinion, you should be compensated for that. So so are you, you're able to charge for those times afterwards? Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. And some places are, you know, very receptive to that and others are not. So it just all, you learn kind of learn as you go. Oh, but. yeah. Yeah. You, you would think they would be if, you know, I'm here working for you guys right now, you know, because this is my time. Yeah. Some people are, you know, some places are very like, it's, you know, locums is expensive for them. So if, especially if you use a recruiter, because it's not just, oh. you know, they have a huge, they have a huge markup. So they don't really, anything that they have to pay extra is like, you know. That's when you get it to your recruiter and say, hey, they, take this yeah. out of your piece of pie. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> or you don't get it. Sometimes me. they will. Sometimes the yeah. recruiters, you know, they, I mean, they'll, you know, if you tell them I need one you know, this is my minimum, I'm not going to do less than this. And they, they can yeah. sometimes... Also something I think you learn part. after you've <laughs> been doing it for a while, because this is something I've learned too now is like, okay, this is my minimum. I have actually told some places like, 
don't even present something to me unless it's this or more. Um, yeah. Which I think we as physicians need to take more of a stand for what, what we're worth and what our time is worth. And I think we're finally kind of realizing that. I think some of our groups have kind of started talking about that. But every other field, professional field charges for talking to somebody on the phone or whatever. Right. And Attorneys, we do Yeah. So we're the learning. Thing too with locums, which is like, you know, you think like, it's not like people always say, well, it's not, a, I mean, like when you talk about percent collections, you know, like a lot of jobs will pay like 40 to 50% mm-hmm. or whatever. Like they're trying to, you know, kind of mirror what a permanent yeah. job would um, give you. I just think always like the comparison isn't necessarily fair or valid to us because yes, we're doing the same work, but like they're not taking into account that like we are essentially uprooting our entire lives. Mm-hmm. We're getting on an airplane like, it's a huge inconvenience for us. We're going there to help give you the access and mm-hmm. give you the care that you need. Mm-hmm. So I feel like a lot of times that may not be, well, and they don't keep that it. aspect isn't valued yeah. as not, enough as it should be. Like you may not make a huge profit off of us, right? But we're still providing the patients that the care that you you know uh-huh. that they need. So well, and other things to keep in mind too for people who might want to do locums is that um, this is ten ninety nine work, which means you're not a w-2 employee which means uh you pay all of your own taxes and what that looks like depends on how you set up your taxes yeah Yeah. um so if you're an llc or an s corporation or whatever i'm i have an accounting degree but i'm not a cpa so i can't really speak to this too much but um i definitely recommend if you ever do locums to have a cpa um who does all of this work for you and um uh you yeah because it's a whole different like it's you know like if you just want to go to work and make your money and like come home like you can like locums you can't really do that because like yeah you're you're keeping track of all your receipts Mm. like you know there's just a lot of business aspects so many spreadsheets to it i love spreadsheets spreadsheets, but what i've realized though is too is like i I always thought job you know people always say well permanent job you know they give you all the benefits and you know you're independent contractors that kind of sucks that you don't get anything and I don't know how you feel, but I feel like it's kind of like the benefits are kind of overrated. <laughs> I think once you make a certain, you know, like mm-hmm. level of income, mm-hmm. you buy your health insurance. Like, um, I don't know. I just feel like I don't yeah. really miss. I mean, I'm sure benefits are nice, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think for I get me... malpractice for where I, I mean, yes, some places you have to true. buy your own. That's a whole other yeah. topic. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I'm already getting malpractice, so I, yeah. I don't know. I just I feel like them, I'm not missing out. I make them cover my malpractice everywhere I go. Uh, all my travel is paid for, um, or a adequate per diem per day, um, to to cover said travel. Um, but I will say, uh, I did enjoy as a W two employee not having to worry about uh my health insurance. I just paid it, came out of my paycheck, and then also your four hundred one k. You just set it up and you don't do it. There's a lot more legwork involved in being a 1099. Mm-hmm. Um, not only in receipts that you allude to, but also in like, okay, Planning. you have to get your yeah. own health insurance. That's all on you. You can figure out which one you want. If you have a spouse, I think that can sometimes make things easier because you're just on their plan. Um, but it doesn't make things easier as far as four hundred one k's go because um you will have a 401k fees and things like that and i haven't even gotten into all of that but um it's doable and you can you can actually do it better as an escort you could put more money away in oh, a 401k yeah. um, but it is more work so i agree with you i think all of those things 
I think if you if I had a family and kids, I would don't think that I could do locums. Yeah. Just too much extra work and too much hard. travel. I think what it takes a lot of Lindsay's time is um, just keeping track of who's paying. <laughs> like, you know, uh, just keeping track of the incoming money and what it's being paid for and what's being reimbursed and maybe what's been missed and yeah. everything like yeah. that. It's like, like it, just that this is week, almost a you full-time a job. Yeah. <laughs> like just this week I was yeah. like, oh, I missed one. Shoot, I guess I'll just pay for that. I mean, it was like 20 bucks, so it's not a big deal. But like that could have been like... Some of my flights are like a thousand dollars, so you know you don't want to miss that. Oh yeah, they've gotten real. I haven't flown in a while, but I just booked flights, and I was like, oh, it's yeah. like really, it's really expensive. It's not cheap. So, pros and cons. I think it's great. I think it's an interesting lifestyle. I think it's not talked about a lot. I think it's they're... not. No, Everybody... it's really like looked down upon. I feel like sometimes, huh. if not like explicitly, sometimes implicitly, it's like I, I don't know. Maybe I haven't felt is, that like, way from the river, but I. Maybe when you're in residency, I don't know. Hmm. At least, like, now I don't give a shit what anyone thinks, so I just yeah. do what I want. But. <laughs> well, and I honestly I, like, think the reaction I've gotten, which would be interesting to hear yours because mine's been kind of out. Now but, it's changing because yeah. people are like, oh, how do I do this? People yes. really are interested now. They're Everyone's like, oh, that's so cool. so intrigued. They're, They're like, so what? intrigued. They're like, how can I do this too? Yeah. Because, like, you know, like, you think about it, like, yeah, you said, if you know, if you had kids and all those things, but, like, you could, I mean, there's, there's no, like, one standard recipe for locum. So right. like if you just wanted to work like, you know, one week a month or whatever, and then, you know, you'd be away from the kids those days, but then you could come back and like all the extra yeah. time is yours. You know, so yeah. you have way more flexibility to how you set up your life. Yeah. So. Well, in some of my gigs, like one of my gigs is like, I'll probably go there a total of like, I don't know, 15 days this whole year. And so like that definitely could be kept up. And then well, one of them's like two days a month. And I'm like, I've even thought to myself like, oh, if I ever like get a job in Spokane or start my own practice or do something like I would probably keep that for a little while um, just as like extra income supplement while you're kind of doing something new and getting your feet under you. So there's a lot of flexibility in it and it's just but it is a hard thing to jump into. I think there's there's so many nuances to it. And I've been so lucky to have people like you who um, who've been there and then the groups that we're in. just people sharing their knowledge and being open and uh, forthcoming with pros and cons and the good, the bad, and the ugly, and what and how they would not to make the same mistakes they made essentially. And it sounds like you guys are all kind of banding together in these yeah. groups too, and maybe forcing some of these uh, agencies at least to make some changes for the better. We try. <laughs> yeah, or just like you know how how you find like how you find opportunities without you know on your own. I think they could be really yeah. good groups can be helpful for that some people you know they'll post like oh i heard so and so needs help here and then like someone else is like oh i'm really interested in that and then yeah probably more for gender but well and even for me i've noticed once people yeah once people have found out honestly there's more work than i can do and 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 i had a friend who kind of gave me ideas when i was trying starting to get into this too who did most before me waiting out a non-compete and and she told me the same thing and I was kind of like I don't know if I believe you um but it's so true you know the work is there and it will find you so you just got to put yourself out there and you really have to look like yeah put yourself out there and like you know I guess also negotiating too is a huge skill that mm-hmm. you've learned yeah don't be afraid to ask for taught, what but... you think you're worth I think that's a huge thing that well, I've yeah because especially you know we spend so many especially you spend so many years and all this effort and training and like, you know, you should be paid fairly for what. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's an, that you did. It's been an interesting process to kind of be with her as she goes through this because she's had to figure out what she's worth and what's a yeah. good use for time and what these good contracts look like and what a bad contract looks like and start to phase out, you know, these less lucrative contracts over right. here that she kind of got into when she was first getting started and just taking whatever was mm-hmm. available. And now she knows, uh, you know, what, what her time is worth. Yeah. Are you, Lindsay, are you planning on doing this for a while? Uh, yeah, until, you have a... until I find something that I'm excited about that's in Spokane, obviously, because my house is here and this is where I want to be. But um, yeah. Yeah. So what, what about you? Yeah, it's a great question. I'm going to keep doing it. So yeah. So I find something that's like just the same thing. That's a good fit. How has but, it been? I actually wanted to ask you this too. And I know we've been talking for a while now, but um, how has it been traveling um, being single too? Yeah. I mean, it's um, it definitely can put a damper, you know, it's another negative that can put a damper on your dating life. Cause yeah. um, you know, these places that typically need locums, it's not like mm-hmm. they're, the big metropolitan areas with lots of young people. So, you know, and I don't, you know, we don't, I'm sure you don't, I mean, you're in Spokane already, but I don't plan on staying in these like rural areas mm-hmm. permanently. So like, you know, it just, it can make dating a little bit challenging. So yeah. Um, something to consider too. But do you I think, think if you can s- get locums where you're, where like, I think for me, like, I think the nice thing is all, I'm trying to set up my gigs where I'm going to be like at most working one or two weeks a month. So I'll have plenty yeah. of free time otherwise. So I think for me, that's like the biggest, like the flexibility is just going to be key to making my mm-hmm. life, you know. And you're going to be better. based out of Seattle moving forward? Or do you like the fact that you can kind of be based wherever you want? I mean, I'm just, yeah, I think I'll be based out of Seattle, at least the Pacific Northwest somewhere. Uh-huh. So we'll see. I mean, I'm not married to Seattle, but I don't think I'm going to move to like the Midwest and be based out of there. So yeah, I probably, I don't know about Seattle itself long term. I mean, we'll see, but. Yeah, I'll definitely stay here. Um, I think it does help from a locum standpoint to be like, I'm like, I fly through Minneapolis, St. Paul all the time. I'm there all the time. I feel like that's my home away from home. Do you like that, by the way? Because I'm going to be flying through there. Oh, that airport's amazing. Um, It's incredible. But I'm like, if I lived in Minneapolis, this would be amazing. You can get anywhere from here. Um, (laughs) And so I think that like, as a locums person, like if you live in one of those cities like Atlanta or MSP or Las Vegas or... I'm trying to think of like uh, the other big hubs dallas like if you're somewhere that like has a Denver. big hub yeah. like um like if you lived in dallas like you would just fly american everywhere and you could probably get anywhere in the united states pretty much on american or like if you lived in minneapolis you might fly delta or atlanta you might fly delta everywhere and like you'll be able to get wherever you want like i think that that is a benefit whereas and seattle is even a better benefit than spokane because that ends up being one of the negatives for me is like there is nowhere Limited. that I go that I get there in a direct flight without having yeah. to drive two and a half hours from the direct flight. Oh, Legitimately, that's really, that's, that is the minimum is like direct that's flight really plus hard. two and a half hours. Um, I didn't realize you were doing that because I, yeah. I have to like my assignment coming up. I'm going to have a like there's no direct flights. So I was like complaining about that. But yeah. that's like you don't only have you not only don't have a direct flight, you have to transfer and then drive. That is a lot. Yeah. Well, so some of them I have a. I would say if I have a direct flight, then I have a two and a half hour drive is how it works. Or oh, I, I have a non-direct okay. Yeah, yeah. But here's what I've learned. It's better to not have a direct flight than drive, in my opinion, because I'm not a big driver, and get an Amex Just... Platinum and go to a Centurion or a Delta Sky Lounge 
or oh, yeah. or a United Lounge, whatever you flying, <laughs> but live that lounge life. It's great. I agree. I agree. Yeah, and I would tell people doing locums like don't stint. You know, like if you could spend like you're not wasting money like yeah. by making your life more comfortable. So yeah, you know, I mean, heck, if you want to fly first class, like do it. I mean. These, yeah. are, these are tax write-offs, so, you know, you might as well be well-rested when you get in sure. to wherever you need to yeah. go, and then... Well, and I'm like, that $695 a year I pay for Am- my Amex is 100% going to pay itself, because I was spending so much money eating dinner in the airports and having oh, yeah. crappy food that I was... I'm like, it's so much of a better life now that I have lounge access. <laughs> um, it's so worth it. So that's my advice to you, now that you're going to have a layover. <laughs> there we go. I'll have to get that. Yes. Well, I think that's a pretty good wrap on this Amex is not paying me yeah. for this, by the way. This episode brought to you yeah. by American Express. Give a, yeah, right. <laughs> I wish. But thanks, everybody, for uh, joining yeah. us. I think we've had a pretty interesting conversation about yeah. Locum's life here. Yeah. We're, yeah, definitely. We're around it's so cool because we're, like, definitely, um, you know, times are changing. So I feel like we're kind of the trailblazers, for, especially for dermatology. Yeah, people, a lot of people are getting interested in it, so we have a lot to offer yeah. to people. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it more because it's been it's been a fun adventure for me, and I I thank you for all of your uh, you and a couple of my other friends who've done locums in the past too uh, for all their advice because it's definitely something where we band together and need to give advice. So if you yeah. if anybody listening has questions for either myself or Dr. Berman, um, both both of us would be happy to to answer those and connect with you if you're interested in this lifestyle. And that's it. Thanks, Tune everybody. In. Perfect. Subscribe, cool. comment. That was fun. Thanks, Dr. Berman, for joining us from uh, Canada. Bye bye.